I know that I hurt you. Yeah. I was a child trying to be a man. To all my sons worldwide. All my juniors. I apologize for my absence. I know I left you without a name and drop. I don't know how I expected you to get your clout up or get your money up, but don't worry. Daddy's home. Turn me up. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to another episode of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And if you do me a favor, please subscribe to wherever you're listening. Please subscribe to wherever you're watching. It definitely means a lot to me. But what we'll start is this. I think that this year's NFL divisional round was the greatest NFL divisional round we have ever seen. Every single game ending in a walk-off, whether it's a touchdown or or field goal, it 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 every game had a story. Every game had a story. Every game went exactly how it was supposed to go. Well, we'll talk about that. Let's first start with the best game. The, the game that we will talk about for years and years and years. The game that will go down as one of the greatest NFL games of all time. And that is the Buffalo Bills at Kansas City Chiefs. NFL divisional round. Josh, Mah- Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. It doesn't, get any much, it doesn't get any better than that. And you know, this game had all the fixings. All the fixings. This game had all the fixings. It had... Josh Allen being incredible. Incredible. Hell, wasn't it Gabriel Gabriel Davis finishing with an NFL record four touchdowns in the postseason that for a wide receiver is incredible to me. Josh Allen was was perfect. And the thing about it was, you know how a, a quarterback will make a mistake and it's like, ah, that mistake's going to cost him. Josh Allen didn't do that. Like, the this game was perfect in, in 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 Josh Allen's side and Patrick Mahomes. Now, at the end of the day, Kansas City Chiefs won 42 to 36. But the reason why we're going to talk about this game as one of the greatest games of all time is, of course, the ending, but the storylines in the game. Josh Allen playing probably the best football we have ever seen him play. He had the best game. And and this is coming off of a game where he scored 47 against Bill Belichick in that Patriots defense. He was playing the best game he's ever played, in my opinion. Like I said, Gabriel Davis, four touchdowns. Stephon Diggs was big in big moments. He wasn't really the focal point because, of course, the defense is going to try to take Stephon Diggs out the game, and they did a, a, a decent job. But Stephon Diggs made big plays when he had to. It, I'm trying to trying to quantify. Okay, let's let's go to the fourth quarter. Going back and forth, back and forth. Josh Josh Allen's playing great. Patrick Mahomes is playing great. Tyreek Hill is playing great. Travis Kelsey is playing great. Stephon Diggs is playing great. Gabriel Davis is having the game of his life. And you get 13 seconds. They're going back and forth scoring touchdowns or field goals. First of all, the dude, let me, Harrison Buck, 
fucked her. The dude says, the, the commentator guy, I don't know, I don't remember what his name is. He's a former NFL kicker. He says that Justin Tucker is the best field goal kicker in the league. And nobody can negate that. Nobody can question that. The stats are there. But then he said, but number two was Harrison Buckter. After that, Harrison Buckter missed a, <laughs> missed a field goal and an extra point, which was more fitting because, I mean, you, you never know until you know, but more fitting because if he would have made that, we wouldn't have had the craziness that we had at the end of the game. However, fourth quarter going back and forth. Patrick Mahomes scoring touchdown. Josh Allen scoring touchdown. Both team, both defenses are tired. Uh, Tyron Matthews out the game with a concussion. I hope that he, you know, he comes back uh, next next game or in the AFC Championship. But about one fifty left in the game. Josh Allen, they're marching down the field. Actually, I think it's like one ten. Marching down the field. You have 10 or you have about 20 seconds left. Run a play. Josh Allen throws a dart in the end zone to Gabriel Davis. Leaving 13 seconds on the clock. And everybody, it's, it's crazy because you felt it. You knew it. Everybody on Buffalo Bills side, every Buffalo Bills fan, every uh, Bills Mafia, they felt to themselves. And half of you, like half of your, think about your body split in half. Half of your body thought, wow, it's only fitting that this game ends with Josh Allen throwing his fourth, or throwing Gabriel Davis, who was catch, who's caught his fourth touchdown of the game, ending it pretty much in a walk-off. It, it's only fitting. You know, these these two team or these two quarterbacks, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, are gonna be here for years. So it's only right that this ends the way that this ends. That's what half of you feels like. Half of your body, the Bills sideline, the Bills coaching staff, the Bills players, Bills Mafia, that's how they feel. Then you have your other side of the body. Then you have Patrick Mahomes, you have the Kansas City Chiefs uh team. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs fans, you think 13 seconds. What can you do in 13 seconds? They went for it for two, so they go, they're go. they up three points. What can we do in 13 seconds? And then you think to yourself, oh, the Cowboys. <laughs> the Cowboys were in this situation just a couple days or just, just a week ago. Didn't go too well. And they had more time, but 13 seconds, half of you says, uh, that's not a lot of time, but we have Patrick Mahomes, and we know we have Travis Kelsey, we have Tyreek Hill, fastest play. We we have a chance, so you can feel a divide at that moment in yourself. You can feel a divide with fan bases. You can see even the crowd. The crowd, the Bills fan were going crazy, but the Kansas City Chiefs fans were. It was like a nervous optimism. And then Patrick Mahomes happened. First and foremost, a lot of people are getting on the bill. Should they have squib kicked? I think that would have been a smart idea. I mean, you don't want to give Patrick Mahomes, you know, room 
You don't, and you want to run as much time off the clock. The fact that you didn't do that, you know, that that's going to be talked about for a while. But I, I mean, I would have done it, but I understand. It's either you swift kick and you have a chance where uh, uh, a player can run it back, or you kick it and and you know have them start on the twenty yard line. You know what I'm saying? So I, I get the I get the gist of it, but. A lot of people are going to talk about did, should they have swift kicked it to or should the Bills have swift kicked it to give, you know, take some time off the clock. But then Patrick Mahomes happened. Slice, slicing and dicing, you know, giving the ball to Tyreek Hill, uh, who just scored a touchdown. And then Travis Kelsey being clutch, uh, getting it into field goal range. And then Harrison Buckner finally making a damn free throw. I mean, a, a, a field goal and going into overtime. In 13 seconds. He went down the field in 13 seconds. And all you can think to yourself is, hey, that's that's Patrick Mahomes, bro. This man is incredible. This is shaping, this has been one of the best games I've ever seen. You know, there's 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 games like there's moments, there's moments, but there's not really. I'm not. I'm not moments make great make games great. Like we are, we know the 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 Aaron Rodgers hail mary game. I think it was against the Vikings and the Bears. We know about the back and forth slugfest between the Rams and uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs when the Rams had Jared Goff. I think it was a Monday. It was a Monday Night Football game. Um, we, we, you know, I think it was like 58 to 56, 53 or something like that. Like it was, it was a slugfest. You remember the Seahawks, uh, Super Bowl where all they had to do was run it. And then, you know, we also remember the Seahawks Super Bowl where they destroyed Peyton Manning and the, the Broncos games, great games are defined by moments. And I think this game had so many moments. It could have been Josh, uh, the two point conversion where, you know, Stephon Diggs made an incredible catch. It could be Gabriel Davis uh, catching four touchdowns. It could be Josh Josh Allen never wavering, even when it looked like, yo, Tyreek Hill just burnt the entire defense to score a touchdown. We're about to lose this game. And it, I think one of the biggest moments, however, and, and people have been dissecting it since the game ended, was the overtime was the coin flip now both teams were tired both defenses were tired both teams were going were playing the best that they could possibly play and you had the game pretty much and you knew whoever was going to get this ball first more than likely was going to win the game Kansas City Chiefs defense was struggling with you know Tyron Matthew being out and the the the, the Bills defense was struggling because they were tired and when you have Patrick, you know Tyreek Hill playing at, at at his top form, when you have Travis Kelsey, McCole Harmon, Pringle, when you, uh, Jared McKinnon was going crazy, like they they were tired. So you 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 knew whoever had this ball first was going to win this game. And of course, lo and behold, Kansas City Chiefs won the game. Or Kansas City Chiefs got the ball, they won the game uh, on a Travis Kelsey touchdown. Now, should I will say this. Do I think there needs to be tweaking to the the overtime rules? Yes. But I'm also not going to say the reason why it needs to be tweaked is because of this game. 
for for a while now, uh, we've seen games decided where hell, a couple years ago, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs against Tom Brady and the and the uh, uh, Pitts, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers and the New England Patriots ended overtime. Patrick Mahomes didn't even get to touch the ball. It's happened time and time again, and every single time we have this conversation, should they change the rules? I do believe so. Now, a lot of you know football peers are going to say, well, it negates the whole 60 minutes that they just had. No, yeah, I get that. But I think it's crazy to me that a game where you have athletes at their top form and you have people playing as good as Josh Allen in the Buffalo Bills and Patrick Mahomes in the in – the, in the, Kansas City Chiefs, the fact that one team pretty much, and no, one team touched the ball in overtime is crazy to me. Now, I understand these are top athletes, and if you're a top athlete, more than likely you, it's going to be scoring back and forth. But that it, it's, it's, again, I do think the rule needs to be changed. I don't think it should go straight to college because these are top athletes, and to put the ball at like the the t- t- 10 or 15 yard line to see if they're going to score. That's not going to work. Cause this is the NFL. They're going to score every time. Unless it's like a bad team or something, but I couldn't, I couldn't imagine the bills having the ball at the 15 yard line saying you have four, you know, go try to score <laughs> and, and them not scoring. Same with the Kansas city chiefs. So I do think it needs tweaking, but this game is, you know, I, it's un- it's unfortunate that it ended that way, but this game is not the not the biggest reason or not the not the talking point to why the rule needs to be changed. Because it's been like that for years, you know. And but this game was incredible. I felt so bad for Josh Allen, man. I know I keep saying his name. I felt so bad for Josh Allen, man. Uh, this is one of those games where you know you went in thinking, okay, I guess I'll be on blank side, or I guess I'll be on blank side. But because both players were or both teams were playing so good, it it was man, it was it was crazy. It was crazy to me, and I'm excited. I'm more excited the fact that we're we have to we're gonna see this for years to come. Um, you know. You have 25, 26-year-old quarterbacks. <laughs> it's that was that was one of the greatest games we've ever seen. Shouts out to the Kansas City Chiefs. Shouts out to Buffalo Bills. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, of course, won forty-two to thirty-six. I, I, I. T- now, of course, you're gonna th- say it's a failed season uh, if you're the Bills because your goal was to get back. You know, you did. You got one round less than you did last year. However, when you're playing against Kansas City Chiefs and you're playing in Arrowhead and you're playing against a fairly healthy team, even though Ty- you know Tyron Matthew did go out in the game. It's 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 tough for anybody, you know. A lot of people were saying um, they only beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Pittsburgh Steelers shouldn't have even been in the in the in the playoffs. Yeah, but the, they scored like six straight possessions. Um, so it's tough. I I think now it would be different if they would have went into to Kansas City. And when I say they, I mean Buffalo. If Buffalo would have went into Kansas City and just laid an egg and, and was, was just terrible, then I would understand, all right, yeah, that, that was that was terrible. But both teams have – or the Bills have absolutely nothing to, let, uh, to, to, to feel bad about. Josh Allen didn't make a bad pass. 
Um, it, it just it, it was just the better team won. Both teams played the best that they could, and of course the overtime situation. But the best team won, and they gave this. They gave us the greatest game we've ever seen. Uh, in my opinion, one of the greatest games we've ever seen. So, shouts out for shouts out to the Kansas City Chiefs for winning and advancing to their fourth straight, their fourth straight AFC Championship, uh, winning forty two to thirty six against the Buffalo Bills. So, in the game that has now probably the second most talk around it, and that is the Forty ers at Packers. Now, first and foremost. I said last episode, it was hard for me to envision the Packers losing this game because everything, it felt like everything was going, was was on the Packers' side as an advantage outside of the overall record that Aaron Rodgers has against the 49ers, which going into the game was 0-3. The 49ers just played a game against Dallas. They looked great against Dallas the first half of that game. The second half, they looked horrible. Jimmy G had a hand injury and that, or f- finger injury, and now going to the game, he had a so- shoulder injury. Nick Bosa and Fred Warner were in, were in concussion protocol. Now, of course, they got out, but you know. The Packers were the more fresh team. I mean, they didn't play it. This was their bye week. And I think there is something to be said where you can you can you can say that there's an advantage both sides. One an event one advantage to playing in the wild card round, and one advantage to of course and I talked about this last episode, one advantage to not playing. Of course, you have already have a game under your belt. You know, if you if you play in the wild card, you already have a game under your belt. Uh your your team is a little more ants because you, you just had a week to play so you you feel how the playoff intensity is for this for this year's playoff iteration the team that has the bye week or the number one overall seed in the conference is fresh a lot fresher you're playing at their at their at their stadium you know it makes sense it was cold it was like 10 degrees but it felt like zero uh and it snowed halfway and you're playing a West Coast team that their quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, has never played a game that was under 40 degrees. Now you're playing in a game that is zero degrees. You had Aaron Rodgers. Zendarius Smith came back. Uh, Jameer Ale- uh, Jair Alexander came back. Devontae Adams is still Devontae Adams. Aaron Jones is still Aaron Jones. Everything... Not except for Aaron Rodgers' record against the 49ers felt like was had was an advantage to the Packers. And after the first drive of the game where Aaron Rodgers scores, or Aaron Jones, no, uh AJ Dillon scores, you think to yourself, and with ease too, uh Aaron Rodgers throwing darts to Devontae Adams. I was like, oh, yeah. Here it goes. <laughs> It's going to be a long game for the 49ers. But there was one. There was one fault or one little dink in 
in the Green Bay Packers armor that nobody, well, people would talk about, but never really came back to bite them until this game. And that is their special teams. Now, their special teams have struggled all year, whether it's uh, Crosby missing a lot of kicks um, in one game, whether it's special team blunders, whether it's giving up kick returns or punt returns. Their their special teams has struggled mightily. And again, because you have Aaron Rodgers, it, it hasn't really come back to bite them until this game. So I say all that to say the 49ers went into Green Bay in the frozen tundra and beat the Green Bay Packers 13 to 10. And the and 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 a lot of people this this game had a lot of stipulations to it. And most of those stipulations, of course, whatever team goes to this or whatever team wins goes to the NFC Championship. However, kind of like the the Chiefs and Bills game, this game had a lot of storylines going into it too. Uh, can, you know, both teams are having sort of a quarterback issue. You know, the Green uh, Green, Green Bay, we know what happened the offseason coming into this season with Aaron Rodgers and the future for Aaron Rodgers being in Green Bay is still up in the air. You bring in Trey Lance for the 49ers with Jimmy G. So the future for G- with Jimmy or the future of Jimmy G in San Francisco is up in the air. But you felt everyone felt that this game was more important to the Green Bay Packers because this would be the second year where they're going into the playoffs, thirteen or the third consecutive year where they're going into the what eight, what going to the playoffs or going to the AFC Championship thirteen and three. Or let me say this: this is the this is the this is like the third year in a row where the consensus is the the Packers are one of the best teams, if not the best team in the NFC, and they go into the playoffs. And this is the second of. Uh, second, this is the second out of three years that they have lost now to the 49ers. Now, the first time they just got destroyed, Raheem Morstead just went crazy on them, and that the defense wasn't that good. And then, of course, they lost to Tampa Bay and the Bucks last year, and now they lose to the 49ers again. But you felt that the Green Bay Packers needed this game more than anything because you don't know how many more times. One, you have Aaron Rodgers in a Green Bay Packers suit. Two, you don't know how many. If you do have Aaron Rodgers, you don't. Aaron Rodgers more than likely is going to win his fourth MVP. So you don't want to waste the MVP season, back to back MVP season, because last year they lost to the Bucks. Now, going into the game, you just felt Green Bay needed this more than the 49ers. And. Special team blunders. You get your, you miss a kick. No, no. You get your kick blocked. The only touchdown that the 49ers scored was a blocked kick that was returned for a touchdown. 
Then at the end of the game, where you have the game-winning field goal, you only have 10 men on the field and almost get the kick or almost get a blocked kick. But just imagine if you had the amount of people that you were supposed to have, which is 11. Or you're allowing Debo Samuels to have a big return in the second half uh, after a kick return. Or during a kick return, allowing Debo Samuels, who is the only threat right now, because Jimmy G wasn't playing that good, the only threat. In fact, nobody was really playing that good. Jimmy G wasn't playing that good. George Kittle was dropped, dropped a huge pass in the first half. But the momentum started to go in the second half when you allow Debo Samuels to do a huge big uh, a huge kick uh, kick return. Now a lot of people are talking about the the special teams and rightfully so. The special teams was a big reason, the main the main reason in my opinion that Green Bay lost this game. But I would be remiss that I have to talk about the play of Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers had a Aaron Rodgers didn't have a good game. The second half, he was shut out. I mean, I'm not gonna say shut out. He second half he didn't play well. Um it just now when he threw the ball to Mercedes Lewis, the tight end Mercedes Lewis is like 39 years old, by the way, about to be 40. And Mercedes Lewis fumbled the ball. You just felt or you know, yeah, you just felt that he lost all confidence in any other receiver, any other uh tight end outside of Devontae Adams because it just felt like all he was doing was targeting Devontae Adams. Now, that could be because Devontae Adams was open majority of the time, and he was slight. I think Devontae Adams like nine or ten catches. So it wasn't bad that he was, you know, but you would want him to try to get a Lazard more touches or try to get a tight end more touches so that late in the game – as we saw, when you try to go to Devonta Adams, he's getting double teamed because nobody they know that you're not going to anybody else. It's it's bad. It's 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 a bad blemish on Aaron Rodgers. The fact that he is this good, the fact that he will go down as one of the best pure talent quarterbacks we have ever seen. Yet he only has one Super Bowl. Hell, Eli Manning, who nobody. Maybe outside of <laughs> Giants fans, but nobody would say is better than Aaron Rodgers has two. I mean, it was it was bad all around, man. This is huge. This is huge for the 49ers, and this is this is huge for Green Bay. I think moving forward now, what happens? You know, Aaron Rodgers expressed that he's going to take some time to figure it out. Uh, and where do I think that I think Green Bay is the best place for him to go? I mean, if you look at the outside of possibly the Saints. Now, we don't know if Saint if Sean Payton's going to come back uh, to coach. And I think that's going to be a huge thing. But outside of the Saints. I don't see a team better than Green Bay. I mean, maybe Denver, but you don't know about that off. That offensive line is not as good as um, the Green Bay Packers. Uh, their defense is probably on the same level, if not better than Green Bay, but you don't know about the quarterback. I mean, no, you don't know about the, the coach. You don't have an Aaron Jones. You don't have a – I think that one thing that, that really stood tall – 
in in Aaron Rodgers' post game press conference was when he said that I'm not interested in being in a rebuild, which makes sense. You're 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 an older quarterback. You've already been in the league. You've seen the highest of highs. You're trying to get back. The last thing you want, and you have a lot of big free agents. You have Devontae Adams. What's going to happen with him? Robert Tanyan. What's going to happen to him? Uh, you know, Zendarius Smith. What's going to happen to him? This team could go into a rebuild because, I mean, if you lose the arguably the top wide receiver in the game, you lose a huge defensive piece in Zendarius Smith, you can kind of – because if you do have Aaron Rodgers, you can kind of lose Tanyan and, and maybe draft a tight end. I mean, we're seeing what you know uh, the tight end for Pittsburgh. He's incredible. He was incredible this year, uh, and he was a he was a rookie. So you can kind of get the production out of a tight end from the draft. But you're not gonna. There's not a player in this draft as good as Darius Smith or nowhere close to as good as Devontae Adams, even with Aaron Rodgers. So I understand. I think that. Management, at least, for Green Bay, they're number one, number one. Now, people would say that their number one uh, goal should be to re-sign Aaron Rodgers. No, 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 no. Your number one goal is to re-sign Devontae Adams. Now, you can put him on a franchise tag, but to me, you you want to at least have or show Aaron Rodgers because they've they've come out and already said that they want Aaron Rodgers to stay. Why would you not want Aaron Rodgers to stay? You know Jordan Love's not ready to be a, a quarterback in this league. He may not ever be ready to be a quarterback in this league, at least a starting quarterback. So, of course you want Aaron Rodgers to stay. But your number one thing is you do not let Devontae Adams walk out that door. And then you say, hey, okay, Aaron Rodgers, we have you know your number one targets here. We had a, a a mildly successful, even though it didn't end the way that we wanted it, and it should have ended. We had a we had a successful season. Uh, the defense is still. Top, I mean, you still have Zaire Alexander. You still, which he could leave as well. Um. Oh no, uh, Kevin King could leave. So th- that's another big piece. Even though he be getting torched sometimes, that's a big piece. So it's like, yo, we don't want to be in a rebuild. We need to stay. We have Devontae Adams. Come on. And of course, then it's, it's on Aaron Rodgers. But and even even in that, that could you know Aaron Rodgers could have made his mind up. So who knows? But I just think that this this is a huge blemish on Aaron Rodgers. This is a huge blemish on the Green Bay Packers. Uh, you know, I'm not. A lot of people say that Matt Lafleur is a great coach, and I'm not saying that he's not. But I can, and we'll talk about Brooklyn a little uh, a little later in the show. But I'm st- the the jury, in my opinion, is still out on on Matt Lafleur, and bec- and that's because of look at who you have on this team. It's like. Look at look at. Do you think? And, and I'm not I'm not taking a shot at Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr can be a great coach, but do you think that Steve Kerr would be as successful if he didn't have Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, uh, he had KD? If he didn't have Draymond Green on that team, do you think he'd be as successful as you know as one of the more most successful co- coaches in NBA history? 
Do you think that Steve Nash would would be a head coach still in this league if he wasn't coaching Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving? Hell, maybe. I don't know if Steve Nash is a good coach, but I do know that you have three of the top ten offensively gifted players in the league. It's going to be a little easier than somebody that's, you know, coaching Detroit and only has, you know (laughs) – Only has uh, Jeremy Grant and and Cade Cunningham. (sighs) So I don't know, man. I'm not saying that Matt LaFleur is a bad coach. What I'm saying is people are saying, oh, you know, Matt LaFleur is such a great coach. Bro, you have Aaron Rodgers on your team. You have Aaron Jones on your team. You have Devontae Adams on your team. You have... Uh, Zendarius Smith, Preston Smith, uh, Zaire Alexander. You have some really good pieces. I don't know. And and I only question that because this is yet another year where Green Bay Packers should have finished a lot higher or a lot further than where they finished. I mean, we can talk about the, the late game blunder that they had. Now, a lot of that was on Aaron Rodgers last year as far as just running the ball and probably would have scored. But the decision to take Aaron Rodgers off the four, in the fourth quarter against the Bucks when you need a touchdown. I know he's not a special teams coach, but the special teams was god awful this year. You, you, they, 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 the Forty Niners run the ball down your throat two or three years ago. I don't know, man. It's there's there's. There's a lot of questions in Green Bay right now. And the biggest one is where is Aaron Rodgers coming back or not? That to me decides a lot about this organization because you go from being an organization that more than life could be, could be back next year. Cause you have an Aaron Rodgers, you know, or a team that for sure will be one of the worst teams in the league next year because you don't have Aaron. You go from championship aspirations to lotter. I mean, to 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 draft aspirations or, or you know bottom of the league, and and now your division is up in the air. So, and on the 49ers side, man. Enough can't be said about this. It's to me. It's it's been so. This is this this this. I'm shocked that the 49ers are here. I am shocked the 49ers are here because one, you beat Green Bay in Green Bay, but two, it's like a team that that had. As many injuries as they had the entire year, and how how bad they looked at a couple a couple instances, is is now in the NFC Championship. A team that has the same issues at the quarterback position, or the same question marks at the quarterback position that the Green Bay Packers have, it was just handled completely different. Now, yes, Jimmy G is not as good as Aaron Rodgers. But the way that Aaron Rodgers handled this and the Green Bay Packers handled this in the way that Jimmy G and the 49ers handled it was completely different, like night and day different. Hell, for a while, you even forgot that 
the 49ers was was trying to get I mean they just drafted Trey Lance. They do they were not trying to have Jimmy G start for them. It's crazy, man. But shout out shout out to the 49ers, man. They they made the big plays when they, when they had to. Uh Debo Samuels made big plays when he had to. George Kittle even though he dropped a big pass in the first quarter, he made huge plays down the down the field. And of course Robbie Gold um kicking the game winning field goal. Shouts out, shouts out to the 49ers for being the Green Bay Packers, 13 to 10, and now advancing to the the NFC Championship. Their second NFC Championship and their second NFC Championship in what three years or, or four years, something like that. So, shouts out to the 49ers. You know, I'm not gonna say, I'm not one of those I told you so people. But I will say that I do pride myself in some of my picks. Now, picks are picks. You can you can get them right. You can get them wrong. It is what it is. I am I'm not on the field. I am in the comforts of my home, uh, watching these games. So my picks have no bearing on the game. But it felt good knowing that I was right about most of these games. I the only one I was wrong about actually was the. 49ers and the Packers. But I say all that to say the Rams went into the Bucks or went into Tampa Bay and walked out with a win, winning 30 to 27. Huge, huge plays at the end of the game by Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. Now, one thing that I forgot is I said the secondary for the Bucks were decimated. They, you know, they, they've been decimated all year. And I didn't think they were going to be that good because they haven't been that good. I completely forgot that everyone was coming. <laughs> everyone was coming back this game from Shaq Barrett to Levante David to, to, to Witchfield. Like everyone was coming back. The Dominican Sue, uh, Mm-hmm. That didn't matter though. <laughs> One thing that you do not want to have going against the Rams' defensive front is a weakened offensive line, and that is exactly what the Bucks had. In fact, Injuries did injuries and in, in not having players most definitely caught up to the Bucks. Now Devin White played good. Levante David played good, even though you know he had like an outburst because he was upset because I gave up a huge uh, touchdown play to Cooper Cup in like the second quarter. And Dominican Sue, even though he had a personal foul because he said uh, Matthew Stafford kicked him, even though we saw the replay that did happen. But he played well. Shaq Barrett, he didn't really do much. But not, not having Chris Godwin was huge for the Bucks on Sunday. Or yeah, not having... Antonio Brown was huge, even though Antonio Brown tweeted like at the end of the game, which was hella petty. But not having Antonio Brown was huge. 
because even though Mike Evans did make a big play towards the end of the game, um, or you know, yeah, towards the end of the game, catching a, ta- catching a touchdown pass uh, from Aaron Rodgers in the four over um, Jalen Ramsey. Leonard Fournette was huge. I think two or three touchdowns. He was he was really big. Rob Gronkowski was huge in in, in certain in certain moments. Not having those weapons, especially when the offensive line is as is 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 limping at this point, uh, is huge, man. I mean, you saw time time after time after time in this game, Tom Brady getting hell. Tom Brady had his first uh, unsportsmanary unsportsmanlike uh, conduct. Cause he was like yelling at the refs because Von Miller got to him and like and like busted his, his lip. So the defensive front of the Rams overwhelmed the 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 the, the injured offensive line for the Buccaneers to the point where I mean they were destroying uh the Buck. I think it was like 23 to 3 or something like that, or 26 to 3 or something. And then, then they just the, the Rams started collapsing, man. From Cooper Cup, because everyone talks about the big plays that Cooper Cup made. Cooper Cup fumbled the ball. I think Cam Akers had like two fumbles. Um, it it was just it was just falling apart at the seams to the point where the 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 Bucks tied the game up, tied up at twenty seven. And you thinking to yourselves, yo, I, this is probably one of the worst collapses I've ever seen in my life. This is almost on the same level as, and this is what I was telling myself, this is almost the same level as the Atlanta Falcons Patriots Super Bowl. Because the Rams were firing off cylinders, defense was playing well. Uh, they were getting to, Aaron, uh, getting to Tom Brady. Tom Brady wasn't really doing much. Offensively, towards that point, the biggest plays were you know Leonard Fournette maybe getting a couple runs or or uh, it just it was looking bad to the point where Eric Weddle, which I don't know what the hell he was thinking, but Eric Weddle was saved by the ball touching the ground because the ball didn't touch the ground before he came in pretty much a late cheap shot on Mike Evans. If he did that before the ball hit the ground, the Bucks would have scored in that situation. But because the ball hit the ground before the, the, the foul occurred, it was already fourth down. So um, the, the, the Rams got the ball. But shouts out to the Rams for even though they had, what, four huge turnovers. Uh, Cooper Cup was big. Matthew Stafford was big. Matthew Stafford came in clutch with a with two really clutch um, passes to Cooper Cup. Uh, I think it was, you know, it was a defensive blunder the last one. I think um, they were supposed to blitz everyone, and, and I think a couple people didn't blitz. I think Levante Davis actually was one of them that didn't blitz. And uh, you gave Matthew Stafford just enough time and, the Cooper, and Cooper Cup just enough time to break the defense and, and go for a huge gain to excuse me to get them in field goal range and for them to win the game. And 
It was this, again, and I say this every week. This is why they spent that much money on on a Von Miller, on an Odell Beckham Jr. who caught some big passes this game, who caught big passes the week prior in against the uh, the Cardinals, who caught the touchdown. It's like these players are huge. These players, you know, these players are especially like you want them to be big in the playoffs. That's why you make the money. That's why you make. That's why they're called the win now moves because you don't. I mean, Odell Beckham Jr. very well may not be here. Probably won't be a Ram next year because he's gonna. He's warranted and he's played himself back into top wide receiver status. So he's gonna get top wide receiver money, and I don't know if the 49ers can afford that. Um. I don't know if Von Miller is going to be here next year because he, I mean, even though he is aging, he's still playing incredible. You're probably going to get Jalen Rams. You're probably going to have Aaron Donald, who was a menace this game for Aaron. Uh, why do I keep saying Aaron Rodgers? For Tom Brady. It was it was a great it was a great game for the Rams, man. Even though they had four costly turnovers, uh, and very well could have and probably should have lost this game for how they they handled the execution at the end. But they they did what they were supposed to do. So, and now the the, the conversation is kind of shifted to the Bucks, and you know this is the first time that Tom Brady has pretty much been non-committal about going into another season even though he does have another season on the contract and he did say that one of his goals was to uh at least play the totality of this contract and then next or after that we'll see what happens but i mean he's done everything he's has what seven eight super bowls uh he's already considered the greatest quarterback of all time arguably the greatest football player of all time um this, and and when you look at it, of course, Rob Gronkowski doesn't know if he's going to come back. You've dealt with a lot this year as far as, you know, the Antonio Brown injuries. Now, of course, you have Chris Godwin. He's going to demand a, a huge contract. Of course, you can franchise tag him since they drafted him, but uh, see how that goes. Um, yeah, I, I, if this is – I don't – I it's hard for me to, to, to see the Bucks losing or – let me say this. It's hard for me to see Tom Brady retire next year. Now, we're just talking about straight age, then, of course, I, I could definitely see he should have probably retired a couple years ago. But, I mean, he's still – he's more likely going to finish second or third in MVP voting. So, he's still playing at, a, at an all-time level. So, it's hard for me to see someone just walk away from the – especially when you had a good shot to win the Super Bowl. Um, and of course, he said that his determining factor of if he's going to retire or not is can he be the quarterback to get them over? Like to, to can he be the, the quarterback or or help his team win games? And he still very very much can do that because he was playing incredible at the end of the game. So uh, I don't know what's going to happen, of course, um, but. It was a great game. The Rams did what they were supposed to do. Cooper Cup did what he was supposed to do. Uh, in the bu- in the Bucks injuries and players not being there, and some of the issues that they've dealt with, uh, you know, defensive miscues in, in certain situations, kind of came back and 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 finally bit them. It was just the wrong, the worst opportune time. So, but shouts out to the Rams. In the last game of the divisional round. Now I'm going to give my predictions of course next episode, but the last game of the divisional rounds was the Bengals at Tennessee. And I told you guys that there were, I had a, I just had a strong feeling about these Bengals team. The Bengals 
uh, even though a lot was in the Titans' favor as far as they had the defensive, their defensive front is better than the Cincinnati Bengals' offensive line. The offensive line is terrible. Uh, you Derrick Henry was coming back, so you know the hype around that was big. Uh, you still had A.J. Brown was playing good. Uh, Julio Jones was, I think this was the first game in a while that all of them, I think they only did like seven games or something. This is the first game in a while where, you know, A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry, and uh, Julio Jones were all playing. Uh, they were in Tennessee. It was just a lot. Tennessee was the number one overall seed, so it was kind of like what we saw with the Packers and, and 49ers. You had one team that already played in the Bengals, another team that was fresh, which was the Titans. But it was just—it's just something about the Bengals team, man. This Bengals team feels—it was nothing in me thought. I'm not saying that. It was hard for me to pick the Tennessee Titans because I've seen how good these Bengals, this Bengals team, can be. I've seen them go into uh go into into Kansas City and just oh I'm not gonna say destroy Kansas City. I've seen them go into Baltimore and Baltimore go to Cincinnati and destroy Baltimore with a Lamar Jackson, by the way. I've seen them destroy a, a, a Cleveland Browns team. I've seen them beat teams where a lot of people said they can't beat because they're young, because their offensive line's terrible, because their defense isn't that good. But there's just something about Joe Burrow and, and this offense, which is why I picked them to win the game. And as we as we saw, they won the game in, you know, 19 to 16, late, late game, uh, late game um, field goal, uh, a game winning field goal by McPherson. Let me first say I have been very vocal about the the Bengals defense being garbage like garbage they came to play this game they they forced three one one of them being the first play of the game they forced three Ryan Tannehill interceptions now the first one all of them were were, were horrible interceptions but the defense came to play the defense in fact the defense is the main reason even a team that has Joe Burrow, a team that has Jamar Chase, a team that has T. Higgins, a team that has Tyler Boyd, a team that has Joe Mixon, the defense is the main reason why they won this game. Because there was there was multiple times when the the, the Tennessee Titans were driving, and it looked like the Tennessee Titans were were about to were about to bust it open, or the Tennessee Titans were about to really seize control of the game, and then boom, a costly turnover uh, that the the buck that the Bengals forced um whether it was the the turnover where t- uh Ryan Tannehill they were in the red zone and dude slapped the ball up in the air and got it or you know you're trying to throw it to a wide receiver the ball goes up let, you know late game i think that was probably the last uh, offensive offensive drive that the that the Tennessee Titans had and of course ball bounced up in the air you get it pretty much sees control it's like or i think it was 16 16 at that point um the tennessee or the 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 bengals won this game because of their defense and i also that's also more apparent because the and the bengals offensive line gave up nine nine sacks 
I couldn't imagine getting sacked nine times. And you know how you have some of those sacks where it's like, oh, half of that is the quarterback's fault because you held the ball too long, or half of it could be the offensive line fault because they just couldn't, they just didn't have time to, or you held the ball too long so they couldn't protect. No, every single one of the nine was because the offensive line was not that good. Like Joe Burrow had absolutely no time. He didn't even have time to throw the ball off. Like to throw the ball away. That's how bad this offensive line was. And sack nine times and still won a game is incredible to me. Jamar Chase had big plays. T. Higgins had big plays. Joe Mixon was huge in the running game. The Bengals, the Bengals, man. If you if you would have told me going into this season that the Bengals were going were making it to the AFC Championship, I would have probably laughed. Especially a Bengals team where just a year prior. Their franchise quarterback and Joe Burrow went out with a horrible leg injury against Washington. And now they're in the AFC Championship. That shows you just how how great Joe Burrow really is, man. Um, and, boy, it was, you know, the, mm. now... I think that a lot of people had a lot of a, a lot of expectations on Derrick Henry coming back, including myself. But I did say last episode that you can't expect Derrick Henry. I think they're going to put a lot on him and they're going to expect a lot from him. But you can't. He did get a touchdown, but you cannot expect a man that hasn't been there since week like seven or eight. You can't expect that dude to be just fresh, especially in the second round of the playoffs. It's just not going to work that way. Uh, and you saw, man, Derrick Henry didn't have the same burst that he usually has. Yeah, he had a touchdown, and yeah, he, you know, he was still as burly as he usually is, but he didn't have the same burst because, he, I mean, he he's rusty. He hasn't played in a while, and this was, this was the game, and I said this last episode, the X factor was Ryan Tannehill, or one of the X, and he just... He buried this team. He did have a really good play and a really good pass to A.J. Brown for a touchdown. An incredible pass. Over, you know, he, he did have to adjust. A.J. Brown did. But it was an incredible pass. But Ryan Tannehill just too many times. Gave, that's not the fact that you gave the ball over three times. I mean, we've seen players have three, four interception games and win. Hell, we saw Joe Burrow get sacked nine times and had an interception and still, even though that ball did touch the ground, it is what it is. We saw Joe Burrow have an interception and got sacked nine times to win the game. So three interceptions is not, you know, backbusters, but where they were and how they were like the first player of the game or when you're pretty much driving down the field and it just completely crashes your uh your offensive momentum and the drive or you're in the red zone and then you or you're you're near the red zone and you almost throw it it was just horrible man and it's this is this is why i i have it's kind of like i kind of put the tennessee titans in the same boat as the arizona cardinals as it's hard for me to trust them in big moments because they produce stuff like that you know ryan Tannehill will throw horrible turnovers or um the defense the defense played the best that it could i mean the defensive the defensive line but the secondary like i said 
had had a lot of trouble containing, you know, which everyone's had trouble containing um, Joe, Joe, uh, what's the name? Um, Jamar Chase, but had trouble containing those wide receivers. Like I thought they were. That's why I said you had to get uh, Joe Burrow on the ground, which they did. They did it nine times. So it's it's just hard for me. This why it's hard for me to even though they're the number one seed, it's hard for me to say like Yo Tennessee is just that team. Like no, it's t- even though even they're in Tennessee. So I don't know. But shouts out to the Bengals for for winning. You know. And advancing to the AFC Championship, then this is a young team. And hell, look at all the quarterbacks that are in that are in the AFC Championship, uh, or look at all the, that are in the in the divisional championship now. Well, let me say this: Why do I have to? You have Joe Burrow, and you have Patrick Mahomes. I think one is like twenty four, one's twenty five. No, one's twenty six, one's twenty seven, or something like that. Now, of course, you have an older uh, quarterback. Duel in the NFC, which is Matthew Stafford and Jimmy G. But um, yeah, man, this was this was arguably the greatest uh, greatest divisional round we've ever seen. I mean, the Bengals game ending in a late game, uh, walk off walk off field goal by McPherson. The Forty uh, ers game walk off field goal when it's snowing in Lambeau by uh, Gold. Um, the the Rams walk off field goal by Gay and the incredible overtime game that we've had with the Bills and Chiefs. It was it was it was an incredible, incredible uh wild card weekend. So not wild card, divisional round weekend. So I'm excited for the championships. And of course I'll give my prediction about those next episode, but and it's been great. It was it was it was a great weekend of football, probably one of, if not the greatest weekend of football that we've ever seen. So let me uh first let me let me go over to NFC. NFC UFC. Shouts out to uh Francis Naganu. So UFC two seventy. Francis Naganu defeated uh Cyril Gain uh by unanimous decision. And this was probably one of the more uh surprising wins in Francis Ngannou's career. Not because he won, because, I mean, if you go last episode, I predicted that he was going to win. He's, what, 17-3 and three at this point. He is kind of undoubtedly the, the best heavyweight uh, UFC fighter in the world. It was surprising because of how he won. Now, we know uh, Gain as uh, more of a wrestler. And I said last episode, if this turns into a wrestling match. Gain has a chance to win. Cyril Gain has a chance to win. Even though he was the interim UFC uh, UFC champion, he still was undefeated, 10-0 at the time. And most of his things were by submission or unanimous decision because he was so great at the wrestling game. Francis Ngannou was not, but he is a pound-for-pound. Pound, like, he is an incredible uh stand-up fighter he's if you if you try to meet him in the middle of the ring it's over with for you uh and and it's been it's been for a while now it's pretty much been known that Francis Ngannou is not the greatest uh wrestler that there's 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 ever been so it was shocking to me to see that he won this fight mainly because of his wrestling skills uh, you know, getting Cyril gain, getting gain on the ground, what, three times, three or four times, uh, and, and pretty much controlling the fight 
on the ground it, it was it was it was impressive now here's the problem again shouts out and, and congratulations for Francis Ngannou for winning unanimous decision now he's 17 and 3 here's the problem that i have with and it's not just me everyone pretty much has with the ufc this could very well be francis Ngannou's final fight in the ufc and that's solely because ufc fight ufc superstars do not make a lot of money do not make that much money now i already hear it now i'm talking about the ufc I don't know why a lot a lot of people do this and, and I get it but the people that flood my inboxes talking about but the WNBA hey hey I know I know the WNBA doesn't make a lot of money I know that I, I, okay okay we're not talking about the WNBA right now we're talking about UFC two different plights but I understand but the UFC fighters don't make a lot of money especially when you see fighters Retired fighters, old fighters, fighting Jake Pauls or, or trying to go to boxing because they make more money that they've they make more money in wife one fight than they've seen in their career combined. Now, in my head, I'm like, all right, maybe they just UFC just doesn't have the money. But then I remember, yo, UFC just did a whole like UFC island where they would fly fighters to an island to fight during the virus now or during the the height of coronavirus. Now, I am not the smartest worm in the book, but you can't tell me that an organization that can afford an entire island to be dedicated to UFC fights cannot afford to pay their players their their fighters more money there should be no reason why after Francis Ngannou unifies the heavyweight belt that now questions are swirling about is this his last fight because he's set to almost make 10 times more money fighting uh, Tyson Fury in boxing, which, by the way, to me, I uh, Tyson Fury is one of the best boxers in the world going against one of the best UFC fighters. Now, we talk about retired UFC fighters losing to, um, or yeah, losing to Jake Paul. Now you're going against an actual, like, heavyweight pound for pound fighter now i'm not saying francis again who can't do it but what i'm saying is you're 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 making a fighter one of your prize fighters at that go out of his comfort zone to make more money in a sport where he is not that's not his yeah there's difference between there's difference there's a difference between a great boxer in ufc or being a great boxer in boxing and we've seen that several times when we talk about Jake Paul fights. So pay your your entertainers or pay your employees more money. That goes with UFC. Since I'll, I'll cater to you guys, that goes to WNBA. That goes to NFL. That goes to any organization where you have to, when you have players 
that are Francis Ngannou who's still in the prime of his career, and now you're talking about he this his contracts up with the UFC. They don't know if they're going to be able to resign because they don't know if they can afford him because he. I mean, he's still, he's box office. When you hear Francis Ngannou at this point, he's on the same tier as if you heard of John Bones Jones, if you heard of Khabib, not saying that he's as good as them as far as totality of his career, but he is on that level. When you hear Francis Ngannou, he bring, draws in Amanda Nunes. Uh, th- th- those type of people draw in people. So it's like, why are they fighting? Why are the Top Guns fighting to get paid in the, U- in the UFC? I don't know. I'm not an accountant. I don't be looking at Dana White's books. But they just had a whole island. I don't even know they still have it, but they had a whole island during the during the pandemic. So they were still so they can afford that. But you but you have to fight tooth and nail, or people like Francis Naganu has to fight tooth and or John Bones Jones has to fight tooth and nail to get more money. That's crazy to me, but you know. But shouts out to Francis Ngannou for uh, beating uh, Cyril Kane, Cyril Gain. I'm sorry, uh, by unanimous decision. So, moving forward. So I'm I'm shooting this episode shortly before the MLB announces their Hall of Fame inductees, their 2022 Hall of Fame inductees. Now there, there are some big controversial names uh, that are on this year's ballot. You have Roger Clemens, you have Barry Bonds, you have Kurt Schillings, you have A Rod, and you have David Ortiz. Outside of Kurt Schillings, every single one of these players has been connected to steroids Kurt Schillings is just he's a horrible person now he's an incredible he was an incredible baseball player but he's just a horrible person as far as some of the things that he said about you know politics and and people outside of baseball has been uh, conservative to say the least but uh Baseball player, he's a great baseball player. So, I always say this. I don't know who said this, but so was, these aren't my original words, but I loved it so much that I took it and, and I, I kind of put it with uh, whenever we have this conversation about Hall of Fame. To me, the way to tell if a person should or should not be in the Hall of Fame is simple. Can you explain someone that's never seen the sport in, in 10, 15 years? Hell, someone now, if you sit down and try to explain whatever sport it is and the history of whatever sport it is, can you leave these people out and not do the sport an injustice? For instance, for example, there's no way that you can talk about the NBA, the history of the NBA, and leave out Kevin Durant, leave out Steph Curry, leave out LeBron James, uh, leave out Nikola Jokic, leave out um, 
who somebody still playing now leave out uh probably clay thompson there's no way let's let's just stick with steph lebron and katie there's no way and Giannis. let's do those four steph lebron katie and Giannis. there's no way that you can talk about the history of the nba and leave out those four meaning that those four in my opinion are for sure Hall of Famers. Now, of course, it's not just my opinion. More than like the, especially like LeBron, and they're going to be Hall of Famers. But there's no way that you can leave out, leave them out. NFL. There's no way that you can leave out Aaron Rodgers. There's no way that you can leave out Patrick Mahomes. There's no way that you can leave out Tom Brady. There's no way that you can leave out. Give me a fourth. There's no way that you can leave out Julio Jones. No, that yes, you could. But he's still a Hall of Famer. There's no way that you can leave out Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Patrick Mahomes, and let's say Aaron Donald. There's no way that you can leave those four players out when talking about the history of the NFL, meaning that they're Hall of Famers. It doesn't matter what they – hell – we talk about Big Ben for a while, and and all the the the, the off field controversy that he's he's faced. But there's no way that you can talk about the history of the game and not talk about Big Ben. He's a Hall of Famer. There's no way, no way you can talk. Even though the controversy that happened off the field, there's no way that you can leave out Michael Vick. He is a Hall of Famer in my opinion. Back to the Hall of Fame, uh, MLB Hall of Fame. There's no way, if you want a, a, a solid picture of what baseball is, there's no way that you can leave out Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, even though he's a, a Pisha-ish, Kurt Schillings, A-Rod, and David Ortiz. Now, this is before. This is all before, because I'm, I'm, I'm filming this before the, the inductees, so... All of them could, but how it's looking like right now, Roger Clemens uh, and Barry Bonds more than likely will be left out again. I understand about the whole steroids thing. I get it. You, it's hard to to award someone that had a competitive advantage, uh, an unfair advantage against everyone else in the league, and of course profited off it as far as you know record books and everything. I get that. But you're talking about a sport and an era where over 90% of the players were taking steroids. The only reason why Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds were so huge is because they had such a huge impact. Barry Bonds is one of the greatest baseball players the world has ever seen. Roger Clemens is one of the greatest pitchers the world has ever seen. And I get, I get the whole conversation about steroids. But it's not like they're the only two that were taking it. Now, I know it's not, well, if, if Jimmy and, and if if all your friends jump on, that means you have to jump. No, I'm not saying that. But if the world is pretty much jumping, it's like, all right, well, you might got to do it. It may, it may not be as serious as. 
Because I'm sure there's a lot of people. There was there was so many people back then taking steroids. They still didn't do as much as Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens. Hell, and you can even look A-Rod and David Ortiz. David Ortiz is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, Boston, no, one of the greatest Boston Red Sox uh, players to ever play. Aaron A-Rod, even if, even if you like him or not, is one of the greatest Yankees, to, one of the greatest Yankees to ever play. Barry Bonds, one of the greatest baseball players to ever play. Roger Clemens, one of the greatest pitchers to ever play. And you're over, and more than likely, Clemens and Bonds may not make it to the Hall of Fame because of steroids. Yet again, there were multiple people, a litany of people taking steroids back then and didn't do half of what Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens did. Yet and still, they're about they're more than likely not gonna make the Hall of Fame. Yet and still, like I said, you cannot explain the history of the MLB, the history of baseball, which, by the way, people forget are in a lockout right now. So they're they're thinking about they're more than likely going to start canceling. They're going to cancel games. And they're over here talking about, oh, we don't know if we're going to vote uh, the M- vote. Barry, Barry Bonds and, and Roger Clemens because they were taking steroids and they gave them a competitive advantage. Yeah, but there was multiple people taking steroids back then and didn't do half of what Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and had the same amount of unfair ad, an unfair advantage yet and still because they weren't that good or as good as Roger uh, Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds we don't have to really worry about them, but because you know, it is what it is. Like, no, it's unfair, and it just really shows you why the popularity that that baseball has with younger people is declining by the day. Imagine, imagine. If it, it it comes out that LeBron James takes steroids, I'm not saying he is. I'm not putting that on him. But imagine it comes out that LeBron James takes steroids. You think he's not making the Hall of Fame still? Imagine if it came came out that Steph Curry was was taking steroids. You think he's not making the Hall of Fame? Imagine if uh it came out that Aaron Rodgers was taking steroids. You think he's not making the Hall of Fame? Imagine if Aaron Donald, or Donald, it comes out that he was taking steroids. You think he's not making the Hall of Fame? Let me let me say this: if there if there is a Hall of Fame that doesn't have LeBron James, Steph Curry, KD, Giannis, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Aaron Donald, Tom Brady, and Patrick Mahomes, if if those eight players are not in a Hall of Fame, there's there should be no reason for the Hall of Fame. There's if there and there's going to be a Hall of Fame that does not have Roger. I'm not that big of a of a baseball fan. That's 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 been documented. People know I'm not the biggest baseball fan. I don't really watch baseball like that. But even a novice fan like myself, like I, not novice, even a person that just periodically watches baseball. Like I watch the World Series. I watch playoffs. So I'm not that big in baseball, but I know who Roger Clemens is. And this is somebody 
you're talking from somebody that doesn't know much about baseball at all. I'm 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 honest about it. I don't know much about baseball, but I do know about Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, Kurt Schilling's on fi- on field stuff. I do I know about his on field, but I know about his on field, which which that's another argument right there. I think one of the biggest reasons why Dwight Howard was left off of the 75 team was because of his personality and the fact that he was he's kind of hard to get along with. Okay, but is he one of the 75 best players ever? We're not talking about his personality. Kobe Bryant, rest in peace, didn't have the best personality. He won, but he didn't have the best personality. Michael Jordan didn't have the best personality. Gary Payton didn't have the best personality. Wait, was Gary Payton part of 175? I don't know about Gary Payton. But Kobe didn't have the best personality. Uh, MJ didn't have the best personality. Yet and still, no. And, of course, I'm not comparing Dwight Howard to those players. But who cares about your personality? If you're you're a great basketball player, if you're one of the top 75 basketball players, then do what you then who cares about your personality, bro? You're one of the best 75 players. I think the biggest reason why Dwight Howard didn't make it is because of his personality. I do not agree with 98% of what Kurt Schillings be talking about at all. Like I do not agree. I I am not for what Kurt Schillings be talking about. I'm not a Kurt Schillings fan outside of baseball because he just be radical with it. But we're not ta- person. We're not talking about his personality. We're talking about is Kurt Schillings was Kurt Schillings one of the best players ever? Now, if we look at his and if we look at Kurt Schillings regular like regular season numbers, he's a borderline Hall of Famer. If you look at his postseason numbers, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Put that together, that sounds like a Hall of Famer to me. Again, I don't agree with nothing he be talking about outside of foot, outside of baseball. Nothing. Like, absolutely nothing. I do not want to hear that man's mouth outside because he just be talking crazy. But that shouldn't dictate if he is a Hall of Famer or not. Just like I think, Mike, there's once he's eligible, if he, if he, you know, I, I think that the the questions about Michael Vick and, and and the whole dog thing. But it's still Michael Vick. You know, it's still. He's still Michael Vick, man. So that's all I'm saying, man. There, an, uh, a, a, a Hall of Fame that does not have Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, Kurt Schillings, A-Rod, or David Ortiz is not a Hall of Fame that's really credible, in my opinion. So, And before, lastly, before we go. So reports have kind of been swore. Uh, this has been Report City. For Brooklyn. The newest report that came out is James Harden has uh, 
is going to be testing for agent. He's never been a free agent in his career. Uh, it's testing for agency. Because um, he will be a free agent at the end of the season. Now, of course, just because you're a free agent doesn't mean you can't go back to your team. But, you know, he's testing for agency. And a lot of people are linking him to going to Philly. You know, Daryl Morey, he had most of his success, of course, with the Rockets, both Daryl Morey and James Harden together. So, you know who I feel bad for? And I've talked about this before, but it's more and more apparent. You know who I feel bad for? I feel bad for uh, Kevin Durant. Now, of course, hindsight's twenty twenty, So you really never know what your decision is going to the outcome of that decision. Now, of course, some of it, you you pretty much know. Like if you overeat, you're gonna get fat and 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 be full. You pretty much know that. Or if you shoot somebody, more than likely you're going to jail. That's we know those decisions. Like we know the outcome of those decisions. But I look at Kevin Durant, man. No. Kevin Durant left an organization in Golden State. And I understand that it wasn't the easiest as far as personal, personally there. I mean, you're used to being the man. And you're used to being viewed as the man. I mean, ever even before NBA, before college, I mean, he was the man in PG County. Everyone knew who Kevin Durant was. Then you go to Texas, player of the year. Everyone knows who Kevin Durant is, even though he did get drafted second because they had Greg Oden. But you go to the, you go to the league, Kevin. That's Kevin Durant, bro. Kevin Durant, in my opinion, is a top top fifteen player ever. I'm still one of the people that think there's no way that you can. T- now I know I'm watching one and just watch highlights of another, but there's no way that you can tell me that Larry Bird is better than Kevin Durant. I'm one of those people. We can have an argument that you can leave in the comments. I'm one of those people. But Kevin Durant, and I, so I understand you going to an organization, clearly the best player in that organization, and, and people know how much I'm a fan of Curry, but Kevin, Dur- Kevin Durant was the best player on that team. Ke- Steph Curry knew that. But you go to a team that just beat you 170, you know, 78 and 9 or 71 and 9 or 70, whoa. lose nine games. You, you, you lose to them in the playoffs and then you go to them. So I know, you know, the scrutiny of the whole snake thing. I know that. I also know, you know, the NBA fan base, the Golden State fan base, not not well. The NBA fan base is pretty much upset at you, and your uh, legacy there is kind of tarnished. Um, and the Golden State fans, they're never gonna fully accept you because it's more of a Steph Curry team. Because you know Steph Curry is the face of Golden State, even though you are the best player and won two back to back Finals MVPs. So I get that. But you leave an organization for another organization, and that is in Brooklyn. Because it grabs you, you want a new start, I understand. Cool. But it grabs you that there's an opportunity that you can play with one of your best friends in the league. 
and that's in Kyrie Irving. Look at the status of Brooklyn right now. Right now. Brooklyn is one of the worst. Well, first, Kevin Durant's hurt. Um, but Brooklyn is one of the worst defensive teams in the league. The player that Kevin Durant left, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, and that organization, the player that he he left for and Kyrie Irving is a part-time player because of the the vaccine mandate. Now, of course, you never know that there's COVID coming. You never know that New York is going to have a mandate. But that's where we are. And a player that you entrusted in Kyrie Irving now is a part-time player and happy to be a part-time player because the organization pretty much begged him to come back because of, you know, Kevin Durant was hurt uh, and the team was pretty much free-falling. So Kyrie's a part-time player. Then your your one of your be- another one of your best friends, and former teammates and James Harden forces his way out, <laughs> forces his way out of Houston to get to Brooklyn. And now reports are he doesn't like living in Brooklyn. He is upset with Kyrie Irving being a part-time player. And willing and going to test free agency. Meaning that more than likely he will not be here next year. Oh, and you have a coach in Steve Nash, but nobody really knows, and nobody is really sure if he's a good coach or not, because what has he really had to show for it? This is a Brooklyn team that many people, that was uh, Kevin Durant big toe away from making it to the NBA Finals last year, and and I believe that more than likely they would have won the NBA Finals, because I think Kyrie probably would have been good enough, maybe game two or three uh, in the I mean, James Harden was still playing. Well, he was, you know, trying to get back as he was hurt as well. So he was trying to to get back to James Harden. And, and Kevin Durant was playing at a godly level. So you were a big toe, Kevin Durant big toe away from making it to the NBA Finals last year. And now there's even questions if you're going to make it out of the – or make it out of the – first or second round because it's hard for me to look at this iteration of Brooklyn and think that they're better than Milwaukee, think that they're better than the Bulls at this point, think that they're better than I can see them going toe to toe with a Brook with a uh, Philly. I just feel bad for Kevin Durant, man. Now again, these are all decisions that he's made, but you know, it just sucks how dominoes fall into place. And for James Harden, you know, James Harden, man, this is the player that came into this season, almost comes into every season out of shape. You know that it's now. I understand that players are. I would be upset too. Now, you've made Kyrie made a decision, a selfish decision. But pe- nothing wrong with being selfish. A lot of people have a negative connotation for being selfish. 
but it's really not. You're making a decision that's best for yourself to not get the mandate. I'm not saying he's making the right decision. I'm not saying he's making the wrong decision. He's making a decision that's best for him. So I have no problem with that. Um, but you know, so I would understand if I'm a teammate of his, like a Kevin Durant, like a James Harden, where I have to now play more minutes. More is expected of me because somebody that you expected to be there and one of the best offensive players in the league is not there half the time. So I get that. But James Harden comes into this, comes in almost every season out of uh, not in shape has been playing pedestrian at best this entire year. He's had great games, and he's had flashes. But he hasn't really played that well this year to now be like, oh, I don't really like living here. <laughs> that is wild to me. I don't really like living here. Yeah, I'm going to test. I, I, don't, I don't really, yeah. I don't know, man. It's, it ain't, I, ain't, I don't know. I don't know. It's, 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 it ain't really rocking with me. That's funny to me. That's that's funny. But hey, wherever James Harden goes, we'll talk about it when it when it happens. If he leaves Brooklyn, and if he doesn't leave Brooklyn, we'll talk about it. But there you have it, man. That's been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I appreciate you guys. Um, if you want a popular podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve, joggers. The link is in the description below. I have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. So anything that you're looking for, more than likely, or in whatever color you're looking for, more than likely, I got it. Link is in the description. Go get your merch today. It looks great. looks fabulous. Do that. Also, please subscribe to wherever you're listening. Please subscribe to wherever you're watching. Also, leave a like. Leave a review if you like it. You know, I appreciate, you know, I'm trying to get more engagement. I'm trying to, you know, make the algorithms feel unpopular podcast so try to leave a like try to leave a review if you have time i do appreciate it um i appreciate you guys i love you guys and until next time much love Sand
cannot mix. One is the joy that you cannot waste, and the other one price that you cannot fix. This is the peace that you cannot buy. Finding a way where you cannot see. Man with this system, he cannot pray. I need to find relief. But behind my mind. Falling, I might be falling, I might be falling, yeah. 